Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup from Red Bull Racing Australia. I'm Dave Reynolds from the Bodlow Racing Team. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert from 4 Pepsi Max Crew, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. It is, look, it's great. It's a fun track. Um, I was conceived on the bulk, so um, <laughs> been, been here before. I wouldn't say it's the number one target on our radar. We're all about winning races and trying to win a championship at the moment, but, but we, you know, Kim and I chip away at it, but right now we have nothing. Sometimes they're not dickhead you could say it's just it's, they're just there's good racing and i enjoy it mm. from the racetracks across australia and around the world here's inside supercars this week on inside supercars we take a small diversion on our normal format as we look at the bathurst 12 hours with drivers from all over the world on the podium we hear from most of the front runners including a number of v8 supercar stars first to the undisputed voice of sports car racing in the English-speaking world, John Hindhoff. John Hindhoff at the end of another Bathurst 12 hour. The Forex uh, gold probably goes down very well. After 12 hours with uh, only water in the booth, uh, you pace yourself through it. So just a, a little something to wet the whistle before we, uh, we head off into the evening sunset. Every year we say the race can't get better. We can't have closer finishes and every year it uh, defies that logic. You know, there'll be people who look at this race this weekend and say, there weren't enough cars, we didn't have a tight finish, there was only four cars on the lead lap. And for all of those people, there'll be 10,000 endurance racing fans worldwide who will say, that was a proper, old-fashioned, drag them out knock them down pure racing event and the reason I say that is that we had fewer interventions from the safety car beautiful safety car though the AMG 63S was it meant we had long runs an hour and 20 an hour and 15 those are when we see the relative performance of the cars the drivers the tyres that is proper endurance racing all right Gizzy was easing off at the end but you can't fault Chayo for trying that guy gives everything there was not anything left in the tank by the time he got to the line good battles through the classes one or two people I think might be leaving with uh, a little bit of thinking to do there's some big teams who made mistakes early on they were too impetuous can't do that round here and impetuous on lap one amazingly and when you see a Formula 1 driver getting into trouble on lap one it's, it shows you how high the stakes are right from minute one of a 12 hour race it's pitch black you're heading up mountain straight into one of the trickiest corner in Australian motorsport Griffin's Bend it's easy to get sucked into thinking you can go three wide through there you clearly can't and two major contenders are out of the race effectively in fact you know Yes, the Maranello car didn't get to the to the end. I just thought in that early darkness phase that we might have seen a, a little bit more sensible driving for one or two people. But that carried on in the first four hours. It was pretty fast and, and furious. There were rather too many mistakes as well in the pit lane. The winner made... Uh, well, the winner had two significant things. A, a drive-through penalty and a reboot on the uh, start-finish straight. And both times the safety cars that we did have fell for Techno Motorsports. We also saw the out-of-this-world, otherworldly Shane Van Gisbergen prove himself human by missing the pit lane speed limit. And again, the timing of another full-course caution meant that that was completely negated. But look at Erebus. You know, those guys, those guys aren't rabbits. They know what to do. They tripped over the... The uh, air rig, they pulled bits down, they had problems in the pits. 
Bentley couldn't decide whether to fix the car or not fix the car with the right-hand front of the 31 machine. And, you know, when they did it properly, my goodness, that car should, could have been a contender. What about the two Jamek uh, cars, the, the guys from Audi, two brand-new cars, and they also had issues, rear punctures and, and then problems. And, you know, when that car was running with, it was Garth Tander at the wheel, I think, of that car, who was running with the leaders three or four laps down. He was every bit as quick. So, yes, that's good for them, but it must have been tremendously frustrating that they weren't on the lead lap and part of that phenomenal battle at the front of the field. Now, since you were last here, a lot of changes in this race. You being further afield weren't in the cut and thrust of the uh, Vet Supercar events moving in and taking over from James O'Brien. Coming back here, knowing that uh, there was changes and you're dealing with different people, how did you find the event? Well, first of all, I think you've got to say that James O'Brien and Yeehaw uh, have put this event where it is. Uh, James was very good to us, recognised the opportunities that being involved with Radio Show Limited through Radio Le Mans and worldwide streaming could give the event. And it, had it not been for him, we wouldn't have been here. And clearly, had it not been for him and the support of Bathurst Council, the event wouldn't be where it is now. I think a lot of people were slightly scared because of what appeared to be a falling out between uh, Yeehaw and Yeehaw Events, James O'Brien's company, and V8 Supercars last year. That must just be the pit lane siren. Um, I think people were afraid that it might somehow change the event. Now, V8 Supercar events are a very professional organisation. They run the highest level of motorsport in this country in terms of national motorsport you don't expect them to come here and and start making mistakes James was here they'd liaised with everybody including uh, us at RSL although that's not my side of things the business side of things comes down to the responsible adult Eve Hewitt our managing director Um, we're half a world away so it's not easy to have discussions face to face but with uh, emails and uh, the various electronic means of of communications, we made sure that uh, we let them know what we needed. They understood what we could bring to the event, and they showed tremendous confidence in us in keeping us together as a team uh, with the new television deal or the continuation of the Channel 7 Sport uh, television deal. It could have been that they could have replaced us on block, and, and I possibly wouldn't have even blamed them had they done that. They don't know us, they don't know our work. They were very keen to find out. They gave us a good go this weekend. The level of professionalism from the guys we've worked with, from Headley, who's the head of the audio team who looked after us in the booth, we've had to do simultaneous broadcasts this weekend. Stuff that we've done hasn't gone to TV when TV have been setting up for others. Nothing has been an issue. We've had technical uh, discussions with them. They've give, given us the facilities we've needed. We've helped them when they've wanted to do something else. It's a partnership, a proper partnership, and hopefully it will continue. One thing I will say is that what it has brought to the event is a new level of TV coverage that James recognised, and I'm sure if you asked him, would put his hand up and say he could never invest the amount of money to bring the kind of TV coverage, the amount of cameras, eight onboards for the whole of the race. It's transformed the way the race was covered, not just here in Australia and 7 and 7 mate, but also internationally where 
The streaming was done to a much higher standard using the infrastructure that V8 events have got access to for the rest of their season. We're in the downtime for the season. They don't start till the Clipsal 500. We're using redundant capacity for this event. It's a perfect marriage. And anybody who watched, whether they're in the UK or Europe, the US, go and look at the Twitter stats. There's a huge audience for this race. It's growing. And the 37-odd thousand people here, which was a record this weekend, is only the start. Because those outside of Australia watching this will have numbered the hundreds of thousands at the very least, I would say. Radio Show Limited started quite some time ago now. And the world has changed dramatically in in broadcasting and particularly online broadcasting it was amazing in what was it 96 when we were hearing live audio over the internet of Le Mans now last weekend you're in Daytona Mm. and pictures and 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 the Radio Le Mans team once again synchronized but it's a different it's a different skill and it's a different balance for someone who's listening on the radio to someone who can see and I guess it's also very difficult because there's people at the track who can see a TV and there's people at the track who can't see a TV. And it's a delicate balance. You're absolutely right. We are very careful, hopefully, to strike the right balance. Um, The radio side of things will always be my first love because that's where I started. And in point of fact, I still find that easier than television. Television is a skill I am still very much uh, in its infancy for me. I've done that for far fewer years than I've done radio. What we try to do is to look at where we can bring the positives from each of the two disciplines. Straight TV commentary that just goes with pictures onto either a stream or to a terrestrial or satellite broadcaster is a very particular skill. You have to add to the pictures. Radio commentary, you have to be the pictures. It's where's the ball. And what we try to do... If you just took TV commentary and put it out on radio, you would have, oh, look at that. Oh, I've never seen anything like that before. Well, he's gone off. That's that's done. That car's done. And that, of course, for somebody who's streaming nowadays through Bluetooth to that car on the other side of the world, that means nothing. It is tremendously frustrating. And I know because I sometimes listen to radio coverage of motorsport from quite big organisations, including the BBC with their Formula One, that sounds exactly like that. What we try to do is remember the people without pictures first, the people who are around the track, the people who are listening only. If you can then describe some of what you're seeing on television and use that as your set of eyes and then enhance that as well, then I think retasking audio coverage for TV is far better than just imposing television coverage on radio. It is a delicate balance, and I'm sure that sometimes today in our, uh, our excitement we got we forgot that. But it's much better to say, oh, and Van Gisbergen's just dropped off two wheels there on that little run down across Skyline just as they go under the bridge. Well, then you've described it for someone. The left, the right-hand side of Chio's car when he did the pass on the grass, just on the rise going up Mountain Street, you're putting people in the position of being able to see or imagine where that happened. And that, I think, is the delicate balance that you've got to, that you've got to strike. Mm. Well, John, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you, particularly after this event, and we wish you 
all the best for what is going to be another maniacal season for Radio Show Limited. I thank you all for your support. It's very, very much appreciated, and we love hearing from you all on Twitter and social media. Thanks for having us on. After the break, Scott McLaughlin talks about his convincing Class B victory. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, Through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do um, take the win off him. So, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptors and the family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Scott McLaughlin was part of an all-star Class B lineup with Le Mans champion Earl Bamber and 2014 Class B Bathurst 12-hour winner Stephen Grove. Well, Scott McLaughlin and Bathurst 12-hour seemed to be quite a smooth run for the Grove racing team. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, Steve started and he did an awesome job and it was um, basically up to me and Earl there. We, we lost a lap, unfortunately, just because of where the leaders caught us and then the safety car came out and... That's just what happens, but we didn't actually lose a lap because of raw pace, so it was um, good to get that back, and then we ended up winning the race for 15 laps ahead, so, you know, the car was flawless the whole day, um, we hardly had a drama, we topped it up with oil, and that was pretty much it, so, um, yeah, Earl did a cracker job, Steve did an awesome job, he's come so long since, you know, a long way since, you know, I started working with him, and um, it's really cool to see his improvements. And for yourself now you trade in a Porsche and yeah. pick up a Volvo yeah I do yeah so I've got uh, I've got um, Clipsal in a couple of weeks and then I've got testing as well so it's a busy weekend coming up or busy couple of weeks coming up ahead of me so I think um, you know this is a perfect warm up for me I didn't run a cool suit all day and was just trying to practice just in case it happens at Clipsal and yeah I'm pretty happy with how it's going what about new teammate, different dynamic at the team? It's going to be quite an interesting year, to say the least. Yeah, it is, and I'm looking forward to working with Moff. You know, I can only sort of drive the way I drive and as fast as I can go. So if he goes faster, I can learn off him and work on that. So I'm pretty confident. I know the car, and we'll be right. And it's going to be, it's going to be a, a, a thing where I can teach him a few things, and he'll bring a few things to us too. So. And already um, we've worked together already on a few things just from his team previously, what they do differently, and it's it's quite interesting. So it's been a good change and just really looking forward to it. I've got a busy year this year. I've got my arm off contract, so that's in my mind as well. So I've got to, um, got to, I've got to perform. And I guess you've also got to look at where the series is going to be in a couple of years with 2017 and all the talk about a Generation 2 car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, Obviously it's one of those things where... I'm very happy where I am now, and it's just one of those things where you've got to you got to think for yourself and see what, where the best option to lay for you. But um, obviously, you know, at the end of the day, we'll, I'll worry I'll worry about that in the due course. But um, yeah, we'll soon find out where I am. When you are in the moment, like we hear it all the time with football players, their contracts renewal, and that's playing on their mind. Mm. Does it play on your mind? You've gone through a couple of these now. Yeah, no. To be honest, the last one was pretty pretty horrific. So it was a bit, there's a fair bit of stuff going on. So um, I, I learned a lot during that time. So I feel like I'm probably a lot stronger now going into it, and a lot more calm. I've, I've got some results behind the board. So it's not that you know people don't forget how I drive or whatever. But yeah, in the day, I'm like I said, I'm I'm content, and the team wants me back, and and that's just you know 
I know I've just got to do the right thing for my career and, and, and moving forward. So obviously I want to sign a long-term deal and we'll soon find out what, what, where it is. Now that, you know it's Gary Rogers you're with at the moment, the yeah. hardest man to get money out of in yeah, uh, yeah, motorsport. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you can't tell him you're too happy and you want to nah. stay. <laughs> nah, look, it's all, uh, it's, it's all uh, one of those things. Gaz, is, he's, he's generous when he needs to be. He's been a very good boss and um, at the end of the day we'll, we'll, uh, we'll negotiate, we'll have a bit of talking and... Uh, and, but at the end of the day, to me, I'd, I'd love to drive the fastest car in pit lane for free, you know, it's, it's, and, and that's, that's what will get me a championship, and I've got to work that out. Well, congratulations this weekend at Bathurst, and all the best when we see you at Clipsal. Yeah, cheers, thanks. Still to come on Inside Supercars, Shane Van Gisbergen talks about his win. You can hear from Stephen Grove on this week's edition of Inside Motorsport at sportradio.com.au, and on next week's show... You can hear Earl Bamber talking about his amazing 12 months with Porsche. But after the break, we hear from the British Bentley Trio, who managed this year to hold on to third place. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Bats the Cars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Stephen Kane, Guy Smith and Matthew Bell took the Bentley Continental to third place. After the disappointment of last year when the team was bumped off the podium in the final turn, this year they weren't denied. Matt, Stephen, Guy, the Bentley UK assault was in full swing this year, third place. And, uh, well, Matt, first to you. It was a very interesting day, to say the least. Uh, very much so, a long one, that's for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, just uh, obviously to, to get a podium and, and represent Bentley in that fashion is fantastic. I just want to say that first of all, to, to represent such a great brand team and, and drive alongside these two is, has been a, a privilege and an honour and glad to have achieved some sort of a result for them. Um, going to today, it was a gruelling race the whole way through. Um, you know, the lack of Safety cars made it truly a proper 12-hour race, a hard uh, graft race, and um, we just we were absolutely giving it everything in every single stint. You know, we were on the edge. It was a quality lap every lap from all three of us. Uh, just the, the, those two cars there just seemed to have the legs on us this time. But um, I, I think we got the most out of it that we could here, and, and that's all you can do. You know, you can do the best you can on the day, and, and um, me, Stephen, and, and Guy, I think we achieved that. So. Yeah, we'll see what we can do next time. Stephen, do you think you showed so much pace on Friday with the rules in these categories, with the, the BOP mapping changes that they're allowed to make, do you think you might have showed your hand a bit too early and you lost that little edge you needed? It's, to be honest, it's very hard to know. You know, when it comes to the BOP, it's, uh, you just drive and do what you're told and it's, it all seems to work itself out at the end of the day, but... You know, I don't really think it was a BOP thing this weekend. I think it was uh, the team did a great job of keeping us in the race with the strategy and then just at the, at the end it didn't really work out. Plus, 
our car sort of went off a little bit at the end just with the tyres and just for whatever reason the track changed and it didn't suit us so um, you know the last the last three hours we we sort of dropped a little bit in pace from what we showed in the early parts of the race but um, so all in all even if we had been in right with the last pit stop we probably wouldn't have been able to fight but you know third place is great it's great for Bentley Motorsport it's great for us and um, you know it's one step better than last year um, we need to get the first um, so hopefully we'll come back next year and get that what did you think about this track oh it's amazing you know every time we come here it's you know it's 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 one of the best tracks in the world um, probably you know in the top three actually um, so and it's old school it's it's really physical actually it's probably one of the physical this in Nürburgring is probably the most physical tracks you can drive on and for us us Europeans it's the first race of the year so we're we're all um, you know <laughs> we're used to landing beaches and somewhere else at this time and, or drinking alcohol but no it's uh, it's great to be to be here and uh, getting the cobwebs blown off for the start of the season and it, I guess for a couple of you the Intercontinental Series is alive and well because uh, obviously the Techno Autosport guys won't be going on for the other rounds you would expect yeah no, um, I, I think well, all these guys with Shane and everything racing with us uh, last year in 2015 in Europe, um, it, it all seemed to work well and there was a lot of, you can obviously see that they have a lot of factory support um, from, from the UK and McLaren, so you know, it's, this is a, becoming a very serious race with all the manufacturers. So, you know, it's only good for, for, for the 1,000K and, um, you know, with the, the European teams coming over, the manufacturers being involved, the V8 drivers and all the top GT drivers from all over the world actually coming here. It's, uh, you can't ask for anything better. So it's top quality racing. We want to be involved in it. And, you know, finishing third today was great. But uh, for me and for, for all of us, it's, uh, we need to be in first place. It sounds like sour grapes, but uh, <laughs> we need to be there in the next, next year. And Guy, your Australian experience, how can you sum that up? Oh, it's, been, it's been great. I think um, every time we come down here, we have a, we have a great time. Last year was, was amazing. That was our, our first time here, and we really loved the experience. And uh, this year's you know, kind of gone one up from that, really. It's, uh, the race itself was, was, was really good. Um, I think we were in contention all day long for, for, for the win, and our target was to stay on the lead lap, which we, we obviously did. And uh, we just, you know, I think we just, we just as the race went on, we just didn't quite have the pace um, of the, of the um, McLaren and the Nissan. We kind of knew that they would be very strong anyway at the end of the race, but um, I, I think um, it would be wrong to say that we're not disappointed because obviously we come here to win, and that's what we're, we want to do. Um, but in reality, I just don't think... Having seen the way the race worked out, it was possible. But um, doesn't mean to say we'll, we'll be back next year, hopefully, and uh, and try and you know try and come back stronger. Well, they certainly sound great around the Mount Panorama. Thanks, guys, and congratulations once again, third place. Thank you, thank thanks, you, thanks. thanks. This year's Bathurst 12 Hour was run by V8 Supercars, and most agreed the event did not suffer from the change in management. In fact, the crowd was up 15% on 2015, which indicates the growing interest in the GT racing across Australia and, of course, the February Classic at the Mountain. After the break, we hear from the Nismo combination, including Rick Kelly, Chiasan, and later Shane Vinn Gisbergen and Jonathan Webb will join us. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page... 
Hi, I'm Nick Perkett. You are listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck for Daniel Ricciardo's old man to have found a few mates that tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Michael Caruso. And And you're you're listening listening to Inside Supercars. Nissan were the defending champions of the Bathurst 12-hour. Rick Kelly joining the team this year and of course the car staying in Australia to be part of Nissan Motorsports Australian plans for the GT Series. We had a chance to hear from Geosan, it's Rick Kelly. Up first to the German driver who of course came through the ranks of gaming to get into motor racing. Well Florence Strauss, uh, another fantastic weekend for you at the mountain. Second place uh, is such a strong result but it doesn't feel like that I guess at the end the 12 hours. It's just a little bit disappointing if you were that close to to make the almost you know yeah the dream come true with the back-to-back win. But in the end, I have to say, you know, the second place is almost as good as the the win last year because we know how how strong the field this year was. I think it was a big improvement compared to last year. And also, you know, maybe people didn't expect us in the race to be that good because our qualifying yesterday uh, didn't yeah show our really our race pace and we were we were also quite surprised you know we, we were guessing this because every practice session the car was pretty much in front we were guessing that our race pace should be should be really good but also i was surprised when i was in the car after a great stint uh, after after rick that i got told on the radio i'm leading and then yeah it was a little bit difficult to to manage the traffic and then finally the bentley catch me which also at a, at a great speed uh, in the first half of the race this then uh, we were a little bit quicker in a second, but yeah, the McLaren, they were the quickest all weekend. And in the end, you know, we, we just didn't, didn't make it to catch them. Uh, Shio did an incredible last stint. I think, you know, our car, for sure, there must be something that maybe the, we have for sure to replace for Nissan Australia. I think the swaddle pedal because it's, it's too much warm, but yeah, no, it's just an. It's still a great result, but of course, a little bit disappointing. When you're so close to win a race, it's always a little. What's lined up for you for the rest of this season? Have you got the uh, the races mapped out yet? No, it's not nothing confirmed yet. Um, it's a little bit difficult in Europe. You know, we don't have so many um, factory teams with Nissan, so we have to see what what my program will be. Um, I'm really happy that and pleased that Nissan Germany is supporting me for. Uh, driving for Nissan at the 24 hours at Nürburgring, like my home country, and kind of uh, a similar circuit to here. Really exciting as well. But yeah, I will wait and see. Uh, I hope the good result here helps. But yeah, normally, you know, Nissan, Nissan fights something to me, and I'm happy with everything. Well, as I said to Chiosan, two visits to Australia and two podiums is a remarkable effort here at Bathurst. Yeah, absolutely. And I hope um, maybe we have the opportunity to come back next year and. Uh, Get in, yeah, three tests on the podium would be great, but of course it would be better to, to win it next year again than to come second. Jason, congratulations. Yep. Two years at Bathurst, two podiums, the first and second. Uh, interesting. <laughs> Thank you very much. The last year was so special for me, for us, but this year a little dif- disappointed at the end. So just the, uh, I was driving on the limit to push like, push like uh, you know, 
pushing so hard on the mountain. So just a very exciting race, you know. The driving on the limit on the mountain was so exciting. But so you know, at the end, I, I just we just need some some another thirty minutes or something. <laughs> yeah, such a short twelve hour race. <laughs> Too short for you? Yeah, I saw it. I, I feel like I, I, I felt that's so short to always. There's such a sprint, super sprint race that uh, every, you know, lots of manufacturers, the, the very strong manufacturer came in, the race was so close and uh, the pace was so fast this year. So just it's getting tougher and tougher. So just the last few laps was I was, you know, pushing like hell. But car was just fantastic. And team did a really good job, and my teammate was awesome as well. So, just you know, we did our best. But before you return to Banthus next year, what have you got? What races have you got lined up? Yeah, I hope you know I can come back again to to get get back the podium top of the podium again. And the fan the, the the fans out of there is very nice. So the people. So kind and so nice in Australia. I love Australian motorsports, so I I want to come back again next year. And what about other races this year? Uh, so I, I couldn't talk, you know, at the moment. So just uh, you know, it would be better, I think. Uh, you know, I would have another the great season. I hope. Yeah. Well, thank you. Congratulations. So, please wait, wait for announcement. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Congratulations once again. Thank you very much. Rick Kelly, a lot of talk about being the defending champions here, but when you look at this program, it's, it's significantly different to what we saw last year. So to have the new Nissan GTR Australian team launch and finish second on the podium, it's a, a fantastic result. Yeah, it is a good result. I mean, myself personally, I'm not the, the defending champion here. So to come into the team, there's probably a little bit more pressure to, to try and do a good job for those guys who, who are defending that. And, um, you know, when you look at the lap times yesterday, if, if someone said you, you'll finish second tomorrow, I think that we would have taken that given how many fast cars are out there. But when you actually fast forward to now and finish second, of course you want to finish first. But um, we just I don't think we had the outright pace to do it. We certainly had the team to do it. The, the way they, the, the guys downstairs played their cards today in the, in the Nissan garage was was impressive. There's nothing short of that. Everyone did a great job from start to finish, and we did the best we could to, to finish there. I mean, the other car had a lot of dramas at one. They made mistakes, and, and they had the pace to overcome those mistakes. And uh, I think we should be proud of the job that we did today, even if we did finish second. It's, um, it's a fantastic result for everyone um, for, you know, from Nissan and Nismo. And for me as well, it was a great opportunity to drive with some, some great drivers and learn a lot about a new car and a new team. When you put that into motion now for Clipsal... What do you take out of this weekend and take into Clipsal in a few weeks' time? I just think getting a race under your belt before the first round of the championship is is a great thing. A two-plus-hour two, two stint is tough around this place in a car that you don't know, and you know, I was tired by the end of it. So for me to have an endurance race under my belt before we get to Clipsal is a, is a good thing. A number of changes for the team too, so how are they all betting in? There's not much uh, changing at, at our place, in particular on my car. We're heading into the end of the year with a really consistent um, package, which is fantastic, and a brand new chassis, uh, which is similar to the old one, but a bit bit shinier. So, uh, you know, I'm excited about that. And the thing that we're most excited about is how we finished last last year. You know, that's that's given us good confidence over the break to come back even fitter and stronger to start this year. And uh, what about GT races? You're going to have a few more of them this year, you hope. No, I don't think so. For me, my, my focus is the V8 program. You know, it was um, 
very, very excited to get the invitation to um, come and join um, the factory Nis- Nismo outfit here this weekend, and uh, I think that will pretty much wrap me up. All right. All the best. No problem. After the break, we hear from the victors of this year's Bathurst 12 Hour. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Facebook page, and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we're able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Rapid family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm David Reynolds from Bottolo Racing Team, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Techno Autosports has taken out the last two races it's entered. Shane Van Gisberg winning the Sydney 500, and now he teamed up with his former team owner, Jonathan Webb, and McLaren factory driver, Alvaro Parente, to win the 2016 Bathurst 12-hour. We caught up first with Jonathan Webb, then Shane Van Gisbergen following their victory. Jonathan Webb, what a way to debut a new venture in motorsport, taking out the first race you go in the Bathurst 12-hour. Yeah, look, it's, uh, it's pretty exciting. Obviously, you know, we've worked hard as a group in techno and, and we've got the V8s you know, really where we want it to be. We've got a new drive and some exciting things on that prospect this year, so looking forward to it. But the sort of the McLaren project has been shipping away in the background for probably nearly 12 months now and you know, the opportunity arose and obviously I, I jumped at it. So you know, for, for techno McLaren GT, first relationship, first weekend out to, to come home with a win, you know, certainly couldn't ask for anything better. And hopefully that's a sign of things to come, certainly through the rest of the AGT series and it will be come back come back this time next year and we'll have another go. What is it about the GT series that made that more attractive than, say, Dunlop series or other Australian series to be uh, in that sort of partnership? Yeah, I think I mean, the biggest thing for me was that relationship with, with McLaren. Um, you know, GTs is growing in Australia, so there's no doubt it's a strong category and will continue to be. But, yeah, it's... Um, it's very different and very different focus, I guess, um, for the for the development series guys. A lot of them want to, yeah, make their way to V8 supercars. Where where GT guys, obviously, a few of them want to race cars and want to have some fun. But you've also got that element of uh, yeah, the weekend races and the businessmen that are involved. So very different. You know, uh, Dunlop, as far as personally, I've obviously been there, won that in 2009, and, and that was great. Um, but but GT something, I guess, had a little bit of a personal personal touch to it. I wanted to get in. I wanted to drive the cars and. You know, um, I've had a whole lot of fun, that's for sure. Mm. Well, we're looking forward to seeing your new driver at Clipsal in a few weeks' time, and obviously the focus switches very quickly. Yeah, oh, look, this fantastic weekend, you know. Get, get, uh, get Will settled in, make him part of the group, let him feel at home, and you know, when we go testing next week and then off to, off to Clipsal, he knows he's already part of the family, he knows everyone, they all know him, and there's no reason why we uh, you know, can't kick on strong right from the start. Well, congratulations once again. Thank you. Well, Shane, congratulations. You've won so many races, so many different types of races, but in GTs, Silverstone last year, Bathurst this year. Yep. Can you, five minutes after you get out of the car, compare yeah. them? Oh, yeah, it's, it's certainly cool. Um, it's a big race, but to have that exact car here that I ran in, in Europe is, is pretty awesome. So, yeah, it's staying in Australia, that car, so hopefully I can uh, keep racing it. We'll see what happens, but... Pretty, pretty pumped to add another one to the list with McLaren. And such an interesting day where you were the pace setter, you came in with all the pressure on you starting yep. on the pole, <laughs> and you were able to keep battling through the issues. Yeah, it was pretty nerve-wracking at the start. I've never driven 
around here at the dark and we didn't have our big night lights on so just uh, settled in, cruised along and, and settled into a nice rhythm and then started pulling away so the car was fantastic and then yeah just uh, the boys did a great job in the middle of the day and I got in at the end. Drink bottle failed and it failed a number of times through the day I believe. Yeah. Oh, it's just a bit small, so I might ask for a bigger one. But, you know, that's just part, part of it. The, everything was so tight, you know. Um, normally we replace the drink bottle every stint in Europe, but the rules here, the way it is, uh, it's an extra part and it costs you about five seconds. So I'd rather uh, gain five seconds and struggle than be comfortable. How much did you have in reserve when you saw Chia-san approaching you late in the race? Oh, I could do a 2.8, 2.6 when he, when he was coming. So I was just saving the brakes, saving the car. You know, we had a... A big lead and, and comfortable on fuel. There's no point in pushing, so just did what I had to do, and, and then when he came, I, I could respond. Three weeks' time, Clipsal, and yep. a, another new challenge for you. Oh, it's a, this is uh, why I do these races. It's great preparation. I had the 24-hour last week, 12-hour this week, so all the seat time in the world, that's all I can ask for. Next race must be six hours then. Yeah, yeah, Clipsal's going to be... I don't know how long that is. It's probably six hours racing over a weekend, but... Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling prepared for it, so now go do some work and some testing and hit the ground running at Clipsal. Big difference between Triple Eight and Techno in the way they approach things? Oh, so far, yeah. I haven't obviously been to a racetrack with them, but yeah, it's pretty cool at, at the workshop. Um, Techno was obviously brilliant, but going from eight guys to 60-something is, is a big step up, so I'm really looking forward to that. Congratulations once again. All right, thanks a lot, mate. The Clipsal 500 is not too far away and we start the build-up to the 2016 V8 Supercar season next week on Inside Supercars. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. Inside Supercars.